Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you've found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. One that we get asked about from time to time is Spotify. Yes, we are on Spotify as are most of the podcasts in our network. We have 15 podcasts in our network. And if you found this one, you probably want to find Swings and Mishes, where one of the hosts is going to be on this episode today. Also, check out our website, Five Reasons Sports. Dot com that's spelled out f-i-v-e reasonssports.com where another of our hosts uh who you will hear today is on Cinco Rizonis, writes quite a bit on there so make sure that you check that out as well as all of the latest heat hurricanes and dolphins news all for free all right so today we're going to talk marlins and we are kind of at the quarter pole of the season we just passed it last week we're getting towards the third pole and things are a little bit different than they were when I decided to do this four days ago. So like this is reverse <laughs> jinx guys um, because whenever we're rooting for something to happen, it doesn't happen. And so I thought we were going <laughs> to, I thought we were going to do an episode about how much the Marlins were struggling. So they won four straight. Um, if we go to a watch party to watch the heater dolphins win, or even the Marlins win, they're going to lose. So a little bit of different context that maybe where we started, but what we're going to do today, and we're going to do it with five different people, myself, Chris, Alejandro Vegas from Cinco Rizonas, which I mentioned to you, which covers a lot of Marlins in addition to NBA soccer and more. Jeremy Taché from Swings and Mishes. And one of our friends over at The Athletic Miami. If you haven't subscribed, you certainly, certainly should. I do. I know Chris checks it out also. A lot of the guys in our network. And that's Andre Fernandez, who is at a newspaper I will not mention for a very, very long time in this market. <laughs> So we're going to start here and I'm going to go to Jeremy first and you are Mr. Positivity. I think Alejandro may be second in this regard, but I mean, you, you, you could find, you know, sunshine in a blizzard basically. And you did right. a few weeks ago telling Marlins fans and just people in general to just sort of enjoy the process as they might've said mm -hmm. uh, in Philadelphia with the 76ers. How do you think the process has gone now through about 50 games? You know, uh, if you asked me four days ago or five days ago before this little four game win streak, I might have actually been negative for the first time in maybe my entire life uh, because <laughs> uh, the Marlins were struggling. And, you know, there's I think the frustration, if I can relate to the frustration of the of the fans at some point, was that during a, a rebuild or a build, as it's, you know, being called it, it's tough to focus on the positive when it's not only that you're losing most games but you're losing them in a fashion where you never feel like you're quite in them um and the positivity that i was trying to say from the very beginning of the season was hey look at the starting pitching most of these games are going to be close uh i anticipated that the offense would be able to put up you know three four runs a game and so maybe win a few uh, and for a while there, the team was had literally one of the three or four worst offenses of all time. Now, in the last four games, they've turned that around a little bit. And so uh, on the positive side, you know, to go there, the starting pitching has been as good as we hoped it would be. You know, every starting pitcher has had their moments where they haven't looked perfect. But all four of the quote unquote, you know, young starting pitchers, even though Jose Urena and Caleb Smith are of the same age, just different game experience. All four of the young pitchers have been pretty solid this season. 
Urania has actually turned things around and looked really good himself. And you've gotten just enough production in the lineup. Um, I think the one disappointing thing so far was uh, offensively, you weren't getting a ton of that production out of the young guys, right? So Brian Anderson hasn't been quite as good as we hoped he would be to start the year, although he hit a homer last night and has started to look better in the last few games. Um, you know, Jorge Alfaro has looked really good in moments and also gone through stretches himself. So that's the one part of it that if the Marlins are, and let's not forget that Lewis Brinson is currently at AAA, if the Marlins are going to really feel like, okay, we were bad this year, but here's the the good, you need those guys to produce as well. All right, let's go to Alejandro on this. I mean, what you know, again, Jeremy can find positivity just about anywhere. Um, and, and I agree with him about, you know, the pitching, obviously, and, and you've written about that. Others have written about that. Um, I was in the clubhouse the other day, and I'm just looking around at the position players. And I'm trying to figure out, like, if I come back in two years, who's actually going to be here and be in a prominent role? And I don't see anybody. I, I see that little pitching corridor. And, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to Caleb Smith in a year or two. But obviously, Alcantara and, and, you know, the others, okay, are likely to be here. And then others, prospects are going to come up. And whether it's Sixto or, or some of the others that are down on the farm. But again, I'm looking at the position players and I'm saying, okay, is Brian Anderson a core piece? Probably not, right? Brinson's not here. Monte Harrison isn't up yet. Uh, who is the, uh, you know, other than Alfaro, and I'm going to look past this recent stretch where he has struggled more because he's going to go through that. Who else in this lineup? is going to be here in two years, Alejandro. Who's going to be a part of this thing? Well, I'm going to disagree with you. I think uh, Brian Anderson should be part of the future lineup of the Miami Marlins. What we saw last year can give us a little idea of what he can do uh, on a regular basis. Obviously, this uh, month and a half so far hasn't been his his best. But I think uh, Brian Anderson should be. Uh, that core piece that you can build around some somehow. I mean, it should have been Lewis Brinson. We all know that uh, that's not happening so far. So uh, uh, other position players, if you look around, maybe Harold Ramirez, but he he's just played six games. He just hit his first home run. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, I see him, and I told the guys in Simple Resonance that I see him as a future first baseman. He has a lot of problems uh, blocking and, and with too many pass balls. And I think, I think uh, maybe Will Banfield will come or some other catcher will come and Alfaro can move to first base and that way he can focus more on hitting than just focusing on defense. But you're right. I mean, right now in the lineup, if you look around, you have, let's say, uh, Miguel Rojas is probably not going to be here in the future starting Castro or maybe Rojas is going to be a utility player like he was before. Castro is probably going to be gone. Obviously, Granderson's not going to be here. I mean, if it was for me, I think Herrera and Granderson should have been out already. Uh, maybe a little too many at-bats for them in the beginning of the season, especially Granderson as a lead-off. I, I don't know why they're not giving, I don't know, Ramirez or some other young guy more at-bats in the first hole, but whatever. And Alfaro, too. I mean, he, he had that good stretch, and Jeremy wrote that article that we won the trade and the uh-huh. trade and all that. But, thanks for that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. yeah you're welcome. And then is that, is that the five reasons, reasons mission accomplished uh, article? <laughs> yeah, I mean, relax. Okay. I mean, at that point we were winning. That's true. But I mean, right now it's <laughs> back to, eh, we don't know. All right. So let's go to Andre here. And to the point that Alejandro is making, because this has stuck out to me too. 
Um, why are, other than the fact that they seem to be good guys, okay, why are Granderson and Walker and others who are not trade pieces getting this many at bats? And at what point are we going to start to see? Are we going to see Monte Harrison? Are we going to see some of the others come up? Because if you're not trying to win right now, other than having a Granderson in the clubhouse for his presence and a Walker in the clubhouse for his presence, what exactly is the point? The thing with Walker is, I mean, Walker has actually had a pretty good year. If you look at it, he's been lead, he's actually been one of their best hitters so far. I mean, I understand that he's not a, he's only a temporary, he's a rental, but I mean, I think he's hitting like around 290, 290 something. He's actually been one of the few bats that's actually responded, and maybe maybe he could be a trade piece at the deadline if he at least keeps hitting this way. Maybe you know, maybe not a major trade piece, but it gets some value. With Granderson, the value he's brought just been in the clubhouse, like you said. I mean, he's had he's at a point now in his career where you know. There's not much you're going to get out of that bat right now. But, you know, I mean, which, what we were talking about, we were, as we were talking about before, you know, it, they have the rest of this season to me is about developing the talent like Alfaro, you know, like a Brian Anderson to find out really if he's going to be one of those long-term pieces. I still think he is right now. I mean, you look at what he can do at third base. You look at what he can do even in right field when, when, when he needs to be in right field. I mean, the guy has an amazing arm. He's gotten a lot better at third base. He doesn't have an error. I think he's played about, you know, not sure how many innings in a row or games. I think it's maybe, you know, a handful of whatever games that it is in a row. He does not have an error this year. He had nine at that position last year. He looks a lot more comfortable there. And, you know, if the bat can come along, I mean, if he's still hitting 230 maybe a month from now, then you wonder, okay, where has that offense gone from last year? But I think that's the the kind of things that they need to find out. And, you know, this, this team's not going to be it, – it, it's not equipped to be a prolific offense this year. That's a fact. And, and, you know, they'll have spurts like they did last night when they, you know, when they beat the Tigers, you know, they, they, you know, they put enough together. I mean, you're starting to see a little bit of that, you know, that, I guess just the chemistry of those young players is coming through in certain, certain games like this. I mean, last night, I mean, the game against the Tigers, the first game in Detroit, they could have really like just completely fallen apart and they almost did in that ninth inning but it and then but in extras they found a way to win He's, chad wallet comes up gets a big hit he's one of the more improved players that we weren't expecting to be this good at the beginning back in spring training and now he really is he's defensively too you know i think that's the theme of the rest of this season no matter no matter what you know the win total ends up being We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law, L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. So I want I want to now move on to the positive side of things. Uh, the, the the thing that has gone well is the pitching, and it's been talked about here on the podcast. Uh, but Jeremy, I just want to 
sort of figure out from you, as much as we're talking about, you know, who is going to be in the core going forward from a hitting standpoint, I do think some of those guys have emerged on the pitching standpoint. We've talked about uh, off air um, the idea of what to do with Caleb Smith now that you found a guy. I mean, he's under right. team control for so much longer that, I mean, it makes sense to keep him around, and yet he's such a valuable trade chip at this point. Um, I, and so I'm just kind of curious from your vantage point, who has been found and what has worked so well uh, in these last few games that they've actually won uh, and, you know, limit, you know, shut out the Mets twice over the weekend and only gave up four to Detroit on, Mon- on uh, Tuesday night. What's been going so well there, and, and who are the guys that you think are, are keepers for the for the long haul? So what's funny is is I think what's going well is just simply uh, throwing strikes consistently, which sounds like such an easy concept. Uh, but when you have guys that in some ways, like Sandy Alcantara is a power pitcher, right? I mean, he, he has the type of stuff that moves, but at the end of the day, that guy, you know, when you got to watch him go up against Noah Syndergaard, you could make the argument that Alcantara's stuff was even better than Syndergaard's, which is not something that often happens when Noah Syndergaard is on the mound against your team. Um, and so, you know, it's funny. We've heard Don Mattingly talk specifically with Alcantara a lot about attacking the zone um, and how that can bring him a lot of success. It's really similar to what Caleb Smith's success has been, because I think the biggest thing that we've seen with Caleb Smith, the reason he has all of these strikeouts is because he's attacking hitters. Um, The one thing that last year and even at points this year has been an issue for him is when he starts to nibble because then his pitch count uh, skyrockets. And so he can only get through, you know, four and a third or five innings or whatever it might be. Um, This year, he's thrown enough strikes to where he's been dominant because all of these guys have really good stuff. The only guy, and, and we've mentioned this from the beginning of the season, the only guy who doesn't have overwhelming stuff is Trevor Richards, but his changeup is just so good that it, it sort of is irrelevant because he still keeps guys off balance. Um, I think the thing that's gone well for them the last few days really has just been, if you look at it, they've just scored enough runs to win. I mean, it's not like the offense has really been this juggernaut. It was on um, on Friday night against the Mets, but they scored two runs and three runs respectively on Saturday and Sunday. They scored five last night in extras. Um, But I think the big thing is that when they can take a lead early and take some of that pressure off of their starting pitching uh, to be perfect, then that's where you end up seeing success and wins. So when the Marlins are are jumping out in the first, second, third inning and giving their starting pitchers a lead to which they can just operate and pitch comfortably, you're seeing these guys really thrive to the best that they possibly can. So I when it comes down to it, the starting pitching has remained pretty consistent. I mean, these guys, occasionally, there's there's a bad outing here, a bad outing there. The ERAs don't necessarily reflect how dominant most of these guys have been throughout the season because, you know, one bad outing and it's still early enough that I think all of these guys have made nine starts at this point. And it's still early enough to where one really bad outing can affect your ERA. But at the end of the day, most of these guys have been really consistent from the very beginning. And have given you a chance to win. And, ju- and just of note, where you talked about Caleb Smith as, as sort of a trade piece or any of these guys as a trade piece, I, I am of the belief that especially Caleb Smith should not be moved. I understand what um, I understand what that can maybe bring you back. I understand that in a point where you're rebuilding and where you're trying to find where the bats are going to come from, that you need to explore all possibilities. I get it. Um, A guy that's been that great, that is very clearly 
you know, capable of being an ace of a staff, even if just from a PR perspective, you can't move them. But I just think from from the baseball side, um, I, I don't think that you let that go, given given what the contract is over the next few years. This is a different situation than, you know, where some people would say, oh, but with the contract that they traded Yelich. So I, I get it. Um, but I, I would also make the argument that you were in a different situation then. Caleb Smith is happy here. He's getting a chance to thrive. You know, he's pitching really well. And you have a guy that could be a piece of this build as you build toward the future. You can't just, you know, dump off everything is at, at any given chance that you get. That's what sort of, the, to be honest, the older regime. Alejandro, I wanted to ask you about um, the performance that was turned in on Sunday by Sandy Alcantara. Uh, only six, I, I think I looked it up yesterday, there have only been six either complete games period or six ga- or six shutouts. I'll, I'll look it up uh, exactly in a moment. But, I mean, the, the performance he put in on Sunday was absolutely incredible, only giving up two hits and, uh, and accomplishing all that on a fairly limited pitch count as well. Um, what have you made of Alcantara? He's been kind of up and down this year, but really having his breakout performance on Sunday. Yes, uh, he needed 89 pitches only, and that's because he made an error in the eighth inning, but he could have finished that game probably with 80 pitches and it would have been fine too. Uh, with Alcantara, and I talked to uh, about this with the guys in Cinco, uh, he had that great outing, the first his first outing of the season against the Rockies. He threw eight innings, no runs. He was great that day. We thought, all right, we have uh, a very good guy, maybe a one or two guy for the future. And then he came down and he's... It's what uh, Jeremy said, maybe one outing, but uh, I, what I've seen from Alcantara is more than one outing. Sometimes it's just one inning per outing. It's those uh, three or three or four run innings that just uh, make your outing look so bad that when it really wasn't, like the, that, that time with the Cubs, the first inning, he allowed like three or four, and then he threw six or seven, whatever. But then you, you're already allowed three or four runs. That that brings your ERA way up again I think he he needs to know how to get out of trouble how to limit those three four run innings to maybe one or two run innings and that would be a great difference and that's what aces do I mean they get in trouble and they found a way they find a way to get out of them and that's that's the main thing that I'm worried about uh, Sandy Alcantara sometimes too I see this show is sponsored by BetterHelp What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Um, some moments of really, he just loses control, his fastball, his command, and I think he needs to work on that. I think we saw some of the, some of it on, even in the last outing against the Mets. I think that 80, eighth inning, he started with the walk and 
those type of things you can have just uh, starting in with a walk four straight pitches that's something that an ace if Alcantara wants to be an ace that can happen and I think he's been working on that I think uh, we have uh, maybe a one or two guy in the rotation like I said but I think he has to work on those uh, command first and trying to limit those bad innings because bad innings are going to happen but just you just have to learn how to limit them and not uh, destroy, if you if you will, your ERA. Because right now he's 425 uh, ERA, but it could be better. Like I mean, we've seen he's pitched 53 innings. I'm, I'm going to say maybe 40 of them are, have been great. And maybe 13 or 12 of them have been bad. And that brings your ERA really bad. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing away numbers. I'm not sure. But what I'm saying is Alcantara needs to be more consistent. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while? Call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, one 800 264 Four six four four. That's one eight hundred two six four four six four four. Or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also, make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish. Look, I wish they'd I, they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car. Fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now moves it all. And Andre, I want to explore this concept further because I do think Jeremy brings up an interesting point because I, I do think that the Marlins could potentially finance uh, the improvements to their hitting uh, with pitching. But we talked to Michael Hill on the pod ahead of the season, and he was saying that pitching is, mo- is his most important priority and that when the Marlins were failing to win games, when they had one of the best lineups ever, it was because of pitching and they didn't have enough. So do you think that they would even consider that strategy? And what do you even make of the idea of now that they're kind of in a better spot with pitching? Again, it's still bottom half of the majors, but in comparison, into what people think of the Marlins as this awful team, it is far better than you would think. Uh, so do you think that there would be any consideration to financing an improvement of hitting on the back of uh, sacrificing a few pitching prospects or current major leaguers? As far as this season goes, for as far as what I know, I think the pitching is the most valuable resource they want to protect. And I think that goes with Caleb Smith or any of these guys. I mean, They'll listen to offers, I'm sure, if they come in July. But I think they're they are building pitching depth throughout this organization, you know, and, and you're seeing it this year already, not just at the big league level, but you're seeing it in triple A with Zach Gallen, you're seeing it with, you know, Sixto Sanchez, with Corey, with George Guzman, with uh, you know, the guys at the single A level, the Jupiter rotation. I mean, they that to me, I've heard that those are the ones but going back to the big league level, I've heard that this starting core. Is, is protected right now uh, and, and that's the resource they really want to keep as well as maybe long-term pieces like Alfaro and you know at least for this season I mean this season in the end like I said before it's not they're not you know they're not suddenly going to turn it around drastically and start fighting for the NLE's title or anything like that so uh, to me it's yeah keep this core together 
continue to build on it. They will listen to offers, but that's the thing. It just depends. I mean, if, if you know, would, would a team really want to part with so much to get a Caleb Smith? It just depends what, where a team situation could be near the deadline. But I, I think that's the priority right now. And I think eventually once they get a little further into their rebuild, then that's when they may look at, you know, they're, they're going to have more money to spend for starters next season when some more, some more of these guys are gone and off the books. So that's another factor to look at as well. Let's try to move through this a little quicker because I, I do want to get to a couple more questions here um, before we close. The, the first one is about Derek Jeter. And, and that is kind of what all of this is wrapped around, right? Because that's who the fans are pointing to. I mean, they don't talk about Bruce Sherman, uh, you know, who really is the money man who ultimately is going to make decisions about how much they build this thing out. They don't talk about Don Mattingly because I think there's an assumption at this point that fair or not fair, that Don's probably not going to be here at the end of this process, maybe not even at the end of the season, but but not at the end of the process. So it all comes back to Derek. And I, I guess I will just throw this to you guys, and, and you guys kind of give me a rating here between 1 and 10 and expand <laughs> a little if you like. How well do you think he has sort of conducted this process so far? 10 being the best. One being at the bottom, I understand there's a lot we don't know until some of these prospects develop, but what should be the approval rating of Derek Jeter in this town right now? I'll go to Jeremy first. I guess uh, I'm just going to go based off my gut answer because I, I haven't, I guess one through 10 is a little, uh, there's so many layers to this. I'll go, I don't know, like seven and a half, right? Because I can understand that there have been things that haven't been perfect, um, you know, I'm not going to delve into every single thing that gets criticized on Twitter. Uh, but I, I understand that there have been moments in, in everything that's happened so far that haven't been perfect. That being said, I I know that I look at most of the trades that have been made and I say, all right, that's a pretty good return so far from what we know. Um, you know, we're a little too early to judge on a lot of it, but from the path in which seems uh, things seem to be going, you know, they took over uh, on their own, on their own issue. Let's not, let's, let's not make too much of an excuse. They overpaid for the franchise uh, from everything that we've, we seem to have heard about where the value was and then what ultimately ended up being paid. And so they haven't wanted to spend much early on the actual baseball product, right? They could have gone out this off season and spent a few million here on a Carlos Gonzalez and a few million there on putting some other uh, major league bats in the lineup. They didn't really want to do that, uh, but they've gotten, you know, these other veterans in the lineup that have been okay. Um, you know, the, the farm system, especially from a pitching perspective, has improved dramatically um, from where things were when they took over. Uh, not, not for nothing, but the stadium looks absolutely beautiful, uh, in my opinion, compared to where it was before. Um, and that's not to say it was a bad stadium before, but I think it looks great. Um, you know, there's been different initiatives that I think have been solid. Um, you know, there's that there's that ten dollar standing room only ticket targeted toward millennials like me that is kind of cool. Um, and so, you know, I, I, again, I'm I'm such a glass half full type of guy that it's really hard for me to 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 say anything less than that. Look, the teams horrific like this this four game uh win streak i think is sort of a mirage in june and july when it gets hot and the bats slow down it's going to be tough for this team to win um because they're already struggling to to hit but i think it's also this thing where and i've talked about this before i i think with with you ethan tanking or you know struggling even if it's not purposeful 
uh, in baseball is so much harder than any other sport because it's in front of your face every single day. And so you have to be reminded every day, wow, our team is not very good at the major league level right now. And so it's a lot more difficult to stay positive than in a 16 game tank or struggle to then go get your quarterback in the NFL. It's a lot different um, because it's every day. And so if you want to look at the positivity, there are definitely ways to do it and I'll be the one to find them. Um, But I, 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 yeah, long winded way of saying about seven and a half. Today's episode also brought to you by Doral Toyota. We're excited to tell you about one of our great partners. That is Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models. Whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle, Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-680, 1129 or come in the dealership you'll work with a dedicated manager not a salesman unlike other dealers Dural Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process that's Dural Toyota DuralToyota.com or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street vamos let's go Dural Toyota all right so let, let's go to Andre on this and then we'll go to, uh, to Alejandro so g- give me a rating I mean you're there every day um, you, you see Derek, you guys get a chance occasionally to talk to Derek, not only sort of your number from one to 10, but also how do you think he thinks it's going? Because I know it's hard to get in someone's head, but I remember seeing him on opening day and I was in the elevator with him going up and he was asking another reporter to take it easy on them. Uh, that's not something that Derek Jeter usually has to do. He got pretty good press in New York. So I guess your assessment and also what do you think his assessment is? Well, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw the number out there first. I'll say six ish, maybe because, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that there's still time to really put this together. But there have been some hiccups. And to go to what you were asking about, about Jeter, I think it, this year has been interesting to see the way he's responded to, on some of these press conferences, because I think maybe some of the internal frustration with some of the, you know, the obstacles that they're facing and some of the things that have happened that maybe haven't gone you know the way they hoped might be catching up to him even though he always has been able to throughout his career even as a player to always you know put up you know it be you know say you know say quote unquote say the right things you know put up the front like nothing's wrong that sort of thing but I think even the other day when you know they were talking when guys were asking him about you know the shadows on the Sunday afternoon game and you know after right after the Bowers uh dismissal and all that kind of thing. I think you could kind of see the undercurrent where, you know, it was getting a little bit, you know, I guess impatient of hearing those types of questions. And in a way, you know, I think this overall, I think this, they knew they had a a tremendous challenge ahead of them when they bought this team. But I think even, even they, after a year and a half have kind of realized what a monumental task it is to really make, you know, really make a baseball team succeed in, in South Florida. And I'm saying even historically forgetting about, you know, all the mistakes that the old regime made, you know, to to have a team consistently, you know, not just on the field to win, but then to draw and be an attraction in South Florida. Historically, this team has never really consistently been that. And and at the point that they're in right now, yes, the park looks better, you know, but as much as you want to dress it up and as much as you want to do all these promotions until the team gets to that point where they get better, I don't think in general people are going to care as, uh, that much, at least not overall. And I think that's the thing. They're, they're still pretty far away from getting to that 
that point. I think that's where little by little they have to just continue to try and make the right steps, but it's going to be frustrating. It's going to take a lot of patience, you know, and, and, and could they have signed other guys in the off season? I mean, to me, the guy they probably could have done a little bit more may have been like an Adam Jones. He's got nine home runs. Cargo, Cargo's hitting 210 and like 105 at bats. I mean, it really, it would have been a waste of money there too. But I mean, I think again, going back to the point of continuing to develop, continue to hang on to this core, especially the pitching core. And I think that's the positives that I think I've seen so far with what he's done. All right, Alejandro, before I go to, uh, to your number, I've got a second question. I'm going to tack onto this one for you. So the number for Jeter in terms of how you think he's done so far, but also, I mean, look, you do a podcast in Spanish and we did a topic before the season about whether or not the marketing strategy was going to work because it was clearly directed at the Latino population in South Florida. And they were unapologetic about that. Okay. It was directed at Dade. It was, and, and you and Andre were both on that pod and there was a lot of argument on that pod, not just between you know people of that background um, and others, but also within your group at Cinco Rosonas. You guys did not agree. I know that's not uncommon, actually, that the three of you don't agree, which is one of the reasons it's a great <laughs> podcast. But you guys, did, you guys did not agree on anything, you, Leandro, and Ricardo. So going back to that conversation, uh, let's start with Jeter, a number from 1 to 10, uh, quickly, and, you know, and, and, let, and then let's go to the next part, which is do you think the strategy – of targeting, you know, uh, the Latino population before anything else is working. All right, I'm gonna give uh, Jitter a five. I think uh, this needed to be done. That's that's the first part. We needed this team because we had a good team in the majors that wasn't getting to the playoffs. So they got to a point that they weren't making the playoffs. They didn't have a good farm system. So. This needed to be done, and I think that's a positive for this uh, new group. Even though they, I mean, traded Yelich, and Yelich turned into an MVP or whatever, but that that wasn't the player they traded. So I, I, I wouldn't blame them for that trade, and I think they got the, a good return, even though it hasn't worked so far. In that regard, I think that's a positive. They needed to do this rebuilding process from the bottom, like we're seeing, and with the numbers. Uh, Andrew talked about it, especially in the pitching staff down in the minors. That's that's great. And besides that, they gave um, uh, the Benson brothers uh, good money to sign them and trying to bring a good young pair of players, Cuban players, to this community. I think that that was a good move uh, by them. Uh, on the other side, like uh, Jeremy and Andrew were saying, uh, maybe they could have done a better job building a team for this year, especially not to lose 120 games like they're in, a, in their way to do after or before they won this uh, four games. I think if Cargo's hitting 210, I mean, Granderson's hitting 180 or 170. I don't know. I mean, I could have done a, a better job, I think, maybe with Granderson, with Adam Jones, with any other players. We have uh, Melky Cabrera. I don't know. We had so many players that could have been here just for one year or whatever, and they could have been a good uh, player to trade in July or players to trade in July and get a good return. I think they didn't do a, a very good job in that regard. But anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about the Cuban Heritage Day because, and especially now that you ask me about the Latino community and the, their efforts to bring more Latino people, we only knew about this Cuban Heritage like one or two days before. And we were talking at Cinco, or I don't know if we didn't know 
on the podcast itself, but we're talking like, hey, this should have been like a two-week or three-week promotion. You're in Miami. You have so many Cubans here. That should have been like your main day to try to bring some people back to the stadium. And I think he was playing against the Mets. So could have been a better better atmosphere there, for especially for that day. Because if you do, I don't know, Venezuelan day or Puerto Rican, I mean, you're going to bring some people and maybe, but uh, or Dominican or whatever. But if you have the Cuban community, I think you have to do a better job to try to uh, at least promote those type of days and, and trying to bring more more people to, to come to Marlins Park. What I can feel from the Latino community is that they like seeing good baseball. And it's hard to go to a baseball game and to suffer through nine innings watching this team play. And I think that's not just the Latino community, but the community in general. It's hard to go to the stadium. I mean, we go and we enjoy it. I mean, we love baseball. Jeremy, I know you played. And we all love watching baseball, even if the team is not that good, because that's just the game we love. But if you're trying to target a wider audience, it's it's hard not to not to compete on a better level. And I think that's something they could have done better with the money they spent. But I think in the in the players and developing players, I think they're doing a good job. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> Jeremy Teche on Swings and Mishes, Alejandro Vegas on Cinco Razones. How, how was my pronunciation there? And Andre Fernandez good. on... Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the approval. <laughs> and Andre Fernandez at The Athletic Miami. Check out all the athletic... Content, um, not just local, but also great stuff nationally. Big time baseball writers, if you're into that. Ken Rosenthal, who I used to get Chinese food for when I was an intern in Baltimore, uh, and others. And also, of course, check out our website, fivereasonssports.com. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ranger Podcast. Thank you so much.